Hey guys, welcome to the Launch and Scale podcast. I'm Kirsten Ross, and this podcast, we talk about best practices when it comes to launching and scaling your physical product brand online. Whether you're doing Kickstarter or even launching your own brand online, we help you with best foundational practices and conversations around helping you build a brand that you can sell or at basic support your lifestyle so that you can quit your nine to five and live life on your terms Super excited. You can dive into more resources and previous episodes at kirsten.com. We actually have an Aussie with us today, um, Gabby Samkova. She is the founder of Summerside Towels. And I remember, um, I'll let her like introduce herself and what the, well, actually I'm going to, spoiler alert. Um, I think, I don't remember how Gabby and I got connected, but um, we worked together behind the scenes on our launch just with like strategy and stuff like that. And I remember when that first phone call with her, she was just like, yeah, I'm launching a beach towel or a travel towel. I'm like, okay. But she's like, but it's made from recycled plastic bottles. And before I did any research on the industry, I was like, oh my gosh, this is game. This is a life changer. Like I haven't heard of any fabrics being able to be made from recycled plastic bottles. And it turns out that it's a fairly new technology that she's been able to use to take, um, really plastics out of the ocean and being able to upcycle that into something beautiful that people love. And um, just recently finished a Kickstarter campaign with just about 350 bucks. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so I'd love just can can you um, just introduce yourself and how you got the idea for the product and what gave you the, like, how did you know that you had to pursue this as a part-time thing to bring this product to market? Yeah, sure. So hi, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm from Australia. I don't know if you could hear me before as well, but now you can see me. So yeah, so I, um, I'm the founder of Summerside, which are lifestyle towels. So beach, travel, and they're made from recycled plastic bottles. So the way I came up with that idea is... I lived in Bali for a year and a half and if you've been to Bali or any third world country, you sort of know there's a, a lot of plastic um, pollution and, I mean, it's just everywhere. They are huge fans of single-use plastic and uh, at the same time, I started surfing and, you know, if you get hit by certain things about 100 metres out, it's it's crazy. So I had a nappy hit me. I had a couple of uh, plastic bottles um, swimming in the water, some plastic bags caught on my foot. So it was, I guess the plastic problem was like really prevalent there. Whereas I'm not saying that it's not prevalent in Australia, but we just have nice bins that we put it in, but it's not, doesn't really go anywhere now that China is no longer taking our plastic. So plastic is a huge problem. And I guess I was also working in the travel industry and I was always on the go as well. So I always used cotton towels or microfiber towels and they always just found them really annoying. So microfiber was too small and it was quite boring. And then the cotton towels are always just such an inconvenience if you left it in the car the whole day, especially if they were wet. So yeah, it sort of grew from being a pain point but then also I wanted to find some sort of solution to the problem um, and then sort of began my research into how can I make something that's usually manufactured plastic, so it's just more plastic, into something that could help um, the situation. So 
I started looking um, for sustainable materials that might be used instead of it. Mm-hmm. But I guess, yeah, in the end, I sort of, I've after a lot of research, I found that plastic bottles can be made into polyester, which is majority of what um, a microfiber towel is made from. And then the difficulty was, I guess, finding finding a manufacturer that could do it because I tried in Australia mm-hmm. and I was unsuccessful. Uh, they don't have the facilities here. Uh, and in Indonesia, they also couldn't do it. So, and I know they have reprieve in America, but um, again, it's sort of everything has to be spun separately. So even though uh, you can make a shirt from plastic bottles, it doesn't mean that you can make a towel. So yeah, and then in the end, I've I found my manufacturer in China and worked um, back and forth. So what turned into just being a simple idea, uh, just because I hated the small, boring ones, I wanted a large, beautiful one. Mm-hmm. Uh, turned into yeah, a little bit more. So they're quick dry and compact and sand free and odor resistant. So I added a lot of technology in there as well. And uh, so just to repeat the question before you weren't on screen, now you're on screen. Um, (laughs) The manufacturer you partnered with, did they have this technology already available for you to use for towels or did they have to design that custom for you? Um, I did have to work with my own blend because, you know, I would have liked to do 100%. So mine are 85% recycled plastic bottles. Mm -hmm. But I found that the the feel of it wasn't and the technology just wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. So I would like to have done 100%, um, but it just didn't work with the technology. And when you print onto 100% polyester, you can burn it as well. So it would have made it a lot difficult um, to make it actually uniquely designed. So, yeah, and then I wanted an 85-15 blend. So I sort of went back and forth. So they did have mm-hmm. to do a custom one for me because they usually do, you know, like 80-20 or I was just very particular um, mm-hmm. how I wanted it. So, yeah, I worked back and forth with them and um, sort of came up with the blend that I wanted that worked, that functioned. So I had a few testers and I was in a great place to test it I mean I was living in Bali so surfing and traveling it was yeah the best way to test it yeah and um so moving into your designing the product I think right when we got connected you had just ordered your first 300 like a beta run that you did before a Kickstarter campaign. I find that that's not common practice, which it should be for a lot of creators to do a, like a early run of something just to work out the kinks, do some testing. Um, Can you walk me through a, I guess, are you happy that you ordered 300 in advance of your campaign? And like, what were you able to do with that? Like, no, no, I'm so glad I ordered it because there were a few kinks that, I wasn't happy with like for the first um for the first 300 like the pocket actually no sorry they sent me 20 first of that 300 by air mm-hmm. before sea freighting it uh had too small a pocket so the dimensions they did were were just wrong so it was just a bit of miscommunication so the pocket wouldn't have fit an extra large phone like the 7 plus so you know uh, 
if that happened once, you know, you have to send them all out quite quickly for the Kickstarter backers and I was really determined to make sure I deliver for Christmas. Um, I was really specific on my timeline. I ended up delivering early, which was good, but I couldn't have, I needed to test it. Like I needed to know the products. Like it's so hard, but I mean, I guess it's different if you were, doing something technology wise, you would need so much capital that you, you wouldn't be able to really get a prototype. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in my case, I could, um, you know, invest my money into like a prototype and testing it. And I had other people test it, like the guys that I, um, did the shoot with. So the director, the models, like they all took one, a couple of my friends, surfers, travelers. So I did get a lot of feedback and could rework it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, the first one was actually, the first run was great. So it was only just the pocket. Um, but I did have to fix a few things before the big shipment sort of came in via air. So we did like a lot of sampling of that 300. Mm-hmm. So they would, you know, I would pay to get it sent over to me in Bali and then test like a small amount and then go back and they would have to fix it. So it was quite, the manufacturers are really good because that can be really difficult sometimes. But I think a big mistake I see a lot of people making in the manufacturing process in that first product is they don't want to be, they don't want to micromanage China. They don't want to be rude. They, they want to leave the professionals to do their job. But if you didn't micromanage, uh, you've probably heard horror stories of what happens like products ship dusty they're not what you asked for. It's the wrong color. The print is skewed. Like there's just all these things that I think, um, man, it's great that you're demanding, as you say, because you're going to have a good product that gets to your customer. So a lot of people miss that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you do have to be like, you're the only one that knows exactly the product that you have in your head. So it's really important to make sure that they get it right because it's it's so long, the process, to go back and, you know, have to redo it. And I hear horror stories on Kickstarter and Indiegogo about, you know, they don't receive what, what they ordered because it just wasn't manufactured that way. And, look, a lot of those products, as you know, Kirsten, they're, they're first time to hit the market. Like there's nothing like it. So mm-hmm. more likely than not, the manufacturer has has never done that before or they've done something similar but not exactly. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really uh, onto them about it and know what you want and, yeah, be really specific. Yeah, when it comes down to it, you deliver an amazing product, you are going to have a successful company long term because it will grow from the inside from your customers really loving your product. Yeah, exactly. And I've had some really good feedback um, from all those backers that have received. So pretty much all of them uh, have been delivered. So I did send out about 700 towels. I, uh, yeah, I packed them all myself and I wrote a note for every single one of my backers. Uh, So I thought my hand might fall off, but it was good. Um, (laughs) But a lot of people appreciated it. So Obviously, if you had thousands of backers, it's it's just not plausible. But in my case, no, yeah. It, yeah, in my case, you know, three it ended up being three hundred and sixty-seven because a few other people sort of jumped on at the end. Um, yeah, so it was great, and everyone's. I've only received good feedback, and everyone's been 
I guess, more impressed than what they were getting. So that's good. Which is great. Um, now that your campaign is over, like how, I guess, first off, are you looking for do, to do a 3PL or do you want to keep that like custom, um, you know, custom touch where you are shipping stuff out of your own house while the volume is manageable? Like what, what does that look like? Yeah, so whilst the volume is manageable, I felt like at some point I was swimming in towels. Like I might as well not even have had furniture. I could have just like set it up as a own couch. Um, but at the moment it is relatively manageable. But at some point I had like 1,400 towels here. I did send out um, quite a lot of them though. But, yeah, at the moment I would like to oversee everything. I'm just one of those people that I just – I don't know. I know that I put my personal touch on it and I like things, you know, packed neatly and yeah, I just like things a certain way. So at the moment, whilst I can manage it, I will. Mm -hmm. If I'm sending out, you know, if I have like thousands and thousands of towels, like there's just no way that I can have it in my house. So I'm already swimming in it as it is. Um, but at some stage, yeah, I will look into a warehouse for sure. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, I guess two questions. The first one, um, why did you do Kickstarter versus just launching on your own website? So because this fabric is pretty new, um, the minimum order was quite high. And also I wouldn't have been able to order my stock without like a Kickstarter. That's what I had the 20 grand goal for. The 20 mm -hmm. grand was, you know, once you take out, you know, all the costs associated with it, I would have been left with enough to order the minimum. So yeah, it was, it, that was really the main reason because I had to order um, so many towels and, you know, I think it's a good base as well. And you can reach a lot of people um, across different countries. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure my friends and family uh, would have bought, but it also adds some credibility. So, you know, I raised 37 and a half grand on Kickstarter. Like that is a good amount. And I had so many backers. So when you do, you know, do PR or you're going into stores and they hear of the success, like it's definitely, it adds credibility. So I think it was a good way to reach a lot of people. Um, and also I've, I've always liked Kickstarter. I don't know when I first heard about it, I thought it was such an interesting concept and yeah, I just wanted to, I, I needed the capital, but yeah, it was just a fun way to do it. Um, for those of you that watched the video, you can clearly see uh, I like to have a bit of fun and a bit of a laugh. So yeah, it was an interesting experience and definitely something different, but I'm happy that I did the launch that way. And after, now that you're a Kickstarter veteran, is there <laughs> anything that surprised you about the process? Hmm, it's a good question. I think for anyone that's planning on launching, and I think everyone says it, but they still make the mistake, shipping. Uh, I'm all the way in Australia and I did, I miscalculated in shipping, but I didn't read sort of the fine lines of, of the shipping partner that I had originally. Um, and it did add quite a bit. So, I mean, I ended up paying, I thought it was going to be 50%, but I ended up paying something like 70% of the shipping. Uh, maybe 60, yeah, maybe between 60 and 70, depending on where it was. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, so I guess that one surprised me. Because, I mean, they're lightweight towels, but still, sending it from Australia anywhere, it's just, yeah, it's super far. So yeah. I guess my biggest thing would be, yeah, definitely calculate your shipping, but, yeah, pay attention to the fine line as well, like all the little bits and pieces. That's one thing that definitely surprised me. And a couple of backers that just came from, yeah, just countries from, I had someone from Moldova order and Egypt wow. and, yeah, it's just it's just interesting because cool. I just thought predominantly the Kickstarter community was definitely US mm-hmm. um, and Canada and, of course, Germany and UK. But, yeah, I had some uh, surprising ones in there too. You would. Um, you mentioned your previous shipping partner. So did you end up switching carriers? Yeah, I ended up switching carriers, uh, but it wasn't for – price point I think I ended up probably paying a little bit more because I just uh they just weren't (laughs) Australia Post um yeah I just their just whole system was just way too complex and I would have been individually putting everyone's information in rather than like a spreadsheet and it uploading you know 200 international orders it just it was just way too time consuming and frustrating that, yeah, that's why I switched carriers, not for price point, but mm-hmm. efficiency. And I like good customer service. I'm always going to choose that over. Of course. Yeah, I will pay, I will pay more um, as long as it's someone efficient and trustworthy. So I ended up going with DHL mm-hmm. who, um, yeah, they're pretty well known. So I decided to go with them and thought it was a better choice. Yeah, I agree. Um Typically, like I find a lot of people like this side or use uh, DHL Express because in like in the U.S. and Canada, you can uh, do two day shipping for a lot of people. So DHL Express will actually help with that e-commerce side to help make sure that you're getting like items to customers quickly. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a good experience. Yeah, it was uh, interesting to pack them all uh, in my house. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next? Like is Summerside um, something you're looking to go full time with or is it a nice side hobby? Like what is it to you now that it's really become a business? Oh, it's definitely more more full time. I definitely Great. put in a lot of hours. Um, yep. Yeah, seven days a week have been since February really. Um, but I was working my other job whilst I was in Bali. But, yeah, I've been pitching stores. So I stock in seven stores at the moment um, with another two on the way. So, yeah, I've just been getting in the car and pitching and um, stores that I think will work and sort Mm -hmm. of having a variety of a distribution model. So doing, you know, some front-facing. So I'm doing some markets where I'm, I'm there and I'm talking to people. I actually had a Kickstarter backer come running into my marquee uh, the other day, which uh, awesome. was, a yeah, no, I, oh my God. I'm sure if you watch the video and I do little funny videos as well, and yeah. you would have seen my face, but I've, I know all the names. I remember, I remember all the names cause I've, I've seen them enough, but, um, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Someone run in and, and say hello. So if anyone is in the area and you see Summerside, yeah, come say hello. Oh Most gosh. likely um, I'll be there. But that was, yeah, that was nice to meet a Kickstarter backer face to face. And, uh, yeah, I'm online as well. So I did launch the website maybe two weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to hustle. So, yeah, just um, 
working hard and yeah, finding different ways to sort of get the product out there. That's that's the hard bit, but yeah, it's it's good. So it is pretty much full at the moment. That is <clears throat> so exciting. Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, why retail? What was your thinking there? In terms of getting it into stores? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think not everyone can be targeted via social and I know or Google AdWords. Like I know that is that is generally how it is now, but I mean my mom's not on Instagram or Facebook really like they're not really going to be targeted and also a lot of people when they're on holidays like pop into coastal stores and have a little browse and are in the mood to shop and yeah I just think it targets different people and also gets it out there um yeah and I think it's a it's a good way yeah it's definitely a good way to get the brand out there and look I mean you lose margin doing that of course Mm -hmm. but if you're pushing units um, you know, and it's quite steady. That's, that's also good. It's a numbers game. It's always a numbers game. So, um, look, it's always good to sell direct, but you have to, you know, you're going to be putting in a lot more money that way as well. So you're going to be spending thousands and thousands yeah. uh, in ads and people get ads all the time. So that's why I'm sort of doing Christmas markets as well. And people need to touch the product as well. I think, when you say, oh, they're made from plastic, people automatically think it's going to feel not so nice and rough. Yeah. But I wish I had a little camera at the markets the other day because people would walk up and go, oh, my God, they're so soft. Like that was the main thing. Like I can't believe they're made from plastic. So that's the other thing. I think it is something you need to see in person as Mm -hmm. well. And being just online, people don't get that. I feel like when you're ready to get in with the online ad side, um, or even not, maybe you just focus on building up an organic following through Instagram and stuff like that, right? Um, But that's something we came across with Jamstack, that guitar product where people, their biggest concern was, how do I know this is going to sound good? So we had Mm -hmm. to find ways through video to recreate the experience that someone would have just by touching it and listening to it in person. So when you go online, I see it's amazing that you're getting this feedback now because you almost know exactly what videos you're going to have to create to really show. Like maybe it's a blooper reel where it's like, oh my gosh, it's so soft. And then we talked to (laughs) over a hundred customers. They all said the same thing or whatever that looks like. Um, And that's how you build it out to be really successful online because you can recreate that same in-person experience. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely thought about uh, different ways to sort of get it out there, but all those people that have posted on on Kickstarter in the comments section, you know, saying they loved it as well is is great. So I do reply and I read everything. And, yeah, I think that's also it, like everyone having such positive feedback. I've had people order more and, yeah, that's that's what you need. I think if you bring a good – good, obviously everything is marketing still, but, you know, having a good product as well mm-hmm. is key. I mean some people do the Kickstarter – and send out a pretty average product and then no one ever reorders it. So they might have had a Mm -hmm. successful starter, but it's not really a great product in the end. So I also think that's really important. Whereas like a lot of people I think will focus on backers, but I was really, you know, I sort of knew my limit to what I would feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. If it got to like thousands and thousands of units, I would have, it would have been a lot harder 
and also to maintain that quality as well. So, yeah, I think you also have to think about that. Yeah, I love how you did it. I used to think um, that bigger is better with campaigns because I started doing like the the six-figure-plus campaigns, and then I would just see – the problems that people would get into with trying to get that first run of inventory out that I Mm -hmm. actually saw the value of having a campaign the size of yours because you, even if your Kickstarter was your beta run, you got so much customer feedback. You got a chance to work out any manufacturing kinks and you've built a really solid foundation that you can scale from. And it's like, you're now building a house on a solid foundation as opposed to the the other way. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that I think that's it as well. Um, if it, and I also had the manufacturer already, so I already discussed what is the maximum that they could cope with to deliver as per my timeline. Mm-hmm. So which was quite high, um, which I was like, oh, that's that's plenty. Um, they said Good. five thousand units, but in my mm-hmm. eyes, you know, with manufacturing, they're always gonna tell you more units I sort of put it down to you know maybe yeah a couple thousand but I wouldn't say five thousand um so yeah just to make sure that I was I was confident um yeah in how much I could deliver as well yeah so my last two questions the first one is what do you think is the one thing that you did really well with this whole campaign audience building the marketing uh, I would say, I don't know, I think I was very authentic to how I am and I think you could you could see it in the video, you can see it in the comments, the way I reply to emails, um, just everything I did was just very me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have done a serious video. Uh, I said that at the nope. start to the <laughs> videographer, I uh, just can't do it. So, yeah, I think it was it was that adding my my flair and, I think that's what people want. So when I when I spoke to that Kickstarter backer, you know, they said, "Oh, it, you know, you you were so you were so real, and you know, people could see who who you were as a person." And and they obviously they have to trust you, and it's hard because they don't know you. you mm-hmm. Everyone on Kickstarter says they're going to deliver, and they don't generally deliver as per their timeline because they've never worked with their manufacturer before, and all the kinks. So. That's the other thing. So I think I did really well in sort of maintaining, you know, the brand and how it should look and feel and then, you know, me being completely honest and, and transparent throughout the ha- the whole thing. So, yeah, I was always, yeah, always, always uh, up to backers. Yeah, you have to though because <laughs> I think it's so frustrating if you back a project and you just they've taken your money but you don't hear from them for like, a couple of months like I just don't like that as well so yeah I think just being really yeah honest is key and transparent yeah oh that's really I I'm glad you said that because every time I will ask that question I'll get oh you know you were really consistent with our email marketing efforts or like yeah. something you know as opposed to the authenticity behind a brand because ultimately people buy people and if you can be yourself, then you become a figure that people trust and that represents a brand properly and stuff. So, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I did videos with a little Santa hat on. So, yeah, you like just gotta, amazing. Yeah, exactly. So, I think, um, 
I mean, everyone has a different personality, but I think, yeah, just being really authentic uh, with backers because they're taking, you know, a real stab in the dark. They've probably, if they jumped on your email list, they've been on the list for maybe two months, three months before you launch. And then they've got to sit through that whole period for the month that you launch. Then they got to wait maybe two months till they get it. So, I mean, it's six months there that's a big it's a big thing to ask it's very different from going online and purchasing the product and receiving it within three days so yeah I think that's the other thing yeah understand the backer side of things so yeah exactly um and you've backed other campaigns so you're familiar with the whole kickstarter community and a lot of first-time creators don't really get that because they don't take a like they don't start to pledge other campaigns to see how other people communicate and how, how other campaigns, like what they're doing well and what they're not doing well. I think that's a big, big thing. Yeah, exactly. And I did, I did notice that from uh, other ones I, I backed. Um, yeah. I also did look at similar campaigns to mine. Uh, and the, yeah, the comments went. So I think a lot of a lot of things is people waiting and not getting updates and mm -hmm. they've paid for the products. So I think you just have to be really mindful that, you know, these people are supporting you, but you can't just take their money and not have any sort of updates or things to show for it. So I think it's, yeah, I think that's key because yeah. some people did great campaigns, honestly over 200,000. And then you look in the comments and, no one is happy with their product and then you just know that's probably going to be it for them because yeah if you have all these people that are unhappy and your reviews are bad then it's pretty hard to to build as we said like that foundation because mm -hmm. you just don't have it yeah and man that's a whole other side conversation so yeah. we don't get into that tangent um my next question is like if you could do it what is one piece of advice you would give yourself from the beginning, like, as in what yep. do you think you didn't do very well um, besides the shipping that we discussed? Um, I think I could have, look, if I had a bit more money, I would have invested more into ads, but I just, I just didn't have it. Like, I mean, I was living and working mm -hmm. in Bali, so everything was sort of put into actually getting the product. Um, yeah, I guess that would be the, the one thing I, I didn't really build a huge list yep. uh, beforehand, but I did get, you know, all my friends and family on board. And the other thing, and I don't know how it would be for other products was that even though people might not have bought my products, they believed in the message of the product. So because sustainability, you know, I am helping mm -hmm. because it was that element. I found that a lot of people would share and it just like there were so many shares throughout the campaign. And yeah, like people, people love the idea. And I mean, even if they didn't buy, it didn't matter because yeah, they love the message behind it. So I think that's the other thing you need to, yeah. So with the message is key, um, but I would have liked to have maybe got a few more on the list beforehand, but mm -hmm. again, I just didn't have the, I just didn't have the capital for the ad spend. And, uh, I tried doing it myself, but when you don't really know what you're doing as well, you can quickly blow your money. Yeah. 
Well, what you did paid off because you nearly doubled your funding target. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was great. I'm so happy. Really, really good. Um, I think my favorite part about your product, which I left it downstairs, or I would have like, you know, brought it on the live, but I'm actually going to do a post about it tomorrow online. Um, my favorite thing about it is uh, the, oh, please, let's uh, let's show it. This is but my, it, uh, this is Willow's one. So I have a cat and she's stolen mine. So she has oh, of my course. one. Oh, yes. The Bali one, right? Yeah. Or is that the Bali pattern? Yep. Yeah, this is the Bali so Botanical. Bali Botanical. Yeah, you got your little pocket behind the label, which you wouldn't know unless you have it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, for some reason, I thought it like folded into that that pouch, and I was like, no, it's a hidden pocket. It's not like a closey thing. Yeah, that would be good. So I might actually eventually really do that. We'll see. You should. Um, but so your package arrives in this black bag that says, "I'm a dirt bag." And I'm like, yeah. What is <laughs> And it's fully compostable packaging. I'm like, detail. So you yeah. really put so much thought into not only the product, but like the full packaging that, that goes behind it. And it's lightweight as well, which I think a lot of people don't get that that adds to the cost of shipping. So it's like just a really nice thing to arrive in yeah, my Yeah, I thought it was funny too. There were a few other ones, but I liked the I'm a dirt bag. So I felt too. like it really fit with, uh, <laughs> with my style. Um, but look, it would have defeated the purpose if I sent out 367 plastic mailing bags, then I've just added to the problem. So, mm -hmm. and the fact that there is alternatives. Um, yeah, I did the research into that as, as well. And unfortunately, the stickers, I did have biodegradable stickers. I bought them, but I couldn't, they weren't uh, high enough quality to print on. So, yeah, the labels didn't didn't work unfortunately but that was that's something I'll revisit but mm -hmm. yeah exactly right I think like I, it's important to me the environment so everything I'm going to do is going to be thinking about that as well I love that um well that's the end of my questions I did uh, do a quick like comment post while you were talking before to see if anyone watching has any questions for you and Diana actually does she can you see that comment on your side Yes, I can. Using certified 100% recycled polyester as a pocket lining for my pant style. I'm wondering if you've ever had backlash from customers about using materials that might contribute to the microplastics problem. If so, how did you address that? Yeah, I did actually. Um, more so from like the Australian customers, I guess. I don't know. We're very eco over here. I um, actually had a few people come into the market and sort of talking to me about microplastics. So for those that don't know, microplastics, anything that's made from plastic, if you put it in the wash, like really, really small particles go into our water streams. And to give you an example, like it rained plastic in Colorado. Uh, I think it was this year. So yeah, which is crazy. How can that happen? But it's just everywhere. And the only way to prevent it is what I say, like buy a guppy bag. So it's mm. like almost like if you have delicates, what you usually put bag, mm -hmm. uh, you can, you, so it's sort of different because they don't have as many holes. So nothing will go through, but yeah. So I, I recommend those and I recommend, I have it on my website under the FAQs that you can, you can buy one and you just, I have no affiliation with them. I just like, I just think they do a good job. So yeah. yeah, you can buy one on there and that's sort of what I say, but also being odor resistant, you don't need to wash it that often. Like to be completely honest, 
I don't really wash mine almost at all. Depends what I'm doing. I mean, most of the time I'm surfing, so it just gets a little bit rough after like all the salt builds up, but I'm just mm-hmm. going to go again. So it just, uh, I don't wash mine that often. So I guess it just depends. Um, but I recommend the guppy bag and that's really the only way in terms of preventing microplastics and washing it less, but it really just depends on if they're odor resistant pants or not. So I hope that helps Diana. I like that because you, if you have anyone complaining saying it's only 85% and if you have any microplastics in your towel, you are offering a solution to that as well. If people really are adamant about not adding to the problem. Right. So I really like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You just got to, you've got to think of all the details, but you're only going to know when people, you can't think of everything. You're only going to know from having conversations with customers, um, you know, via email, face-to-face has worked best for me. And, and people asking you questions, like you don't even realize until people start asking you, asking you questions, like what is the main thing that they not maybe see as a problem with your product, but just aspects of your product. That's smart. I like that a lot. Um, well, great. I guess we're going to wrap this up now, but if anyone's like watching the replay, be uh, sure to tag either of us. If you have a question, um, we're happy to help. Um, and I guess Gabby, for anyone who wants to check out Summerside, where is a good spot to send them online, like your website and stuff? Yeah. So my website. So if you just go to www.summerside, so S-O-M-E-R-S-I-D-E.com.au, you can uh, have a little browse there. It's got all the information. If you want a guppy bag, you can just go into the FAQs and you can find it or just Google guppy. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's all the information, the uh, Kickstarter. If you want to see the video, if you haven't seen the video, uh, you can see that on the website as well under Kickstarter. So everything you need to know is on the website. Uh, I do post funny funny videos on social sometimes as well on Summerside. So uh, you can also follow us there at Summerside Oz. Good stuff. And that's on Instagram. So Yeah, um, that's on Instagram. And yeah, anyone listening on the podcast or watching this on YouTube, all the links for everything just mentioned will be in the description. So apart from that, thank you so much for your time. Amazing. Thanks, Kirsten, for having me. You're welcome. All right. Talk to you guys later. And thanks for uh, watching live. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more like it, as well as free resources, be sure to head over to our website, which is kirsten.com. It's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N.com. And if you do not want to miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms or catch the video version of this on YouTube. Apart from that, we'll see you next time. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step through the process of launching and 
scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launchpad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launchpad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.